This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 245 tonight, Mysteries and Metaphysics, part 6.4. We are going to be discussing UFO and UAP secrecy. Uh, Anybody that knows me and knows when I discuss this topic, I usually don't include that because I try and look at it from a philosophical standpoint and an epistemological standpoint. But I do think we would be remiss uh, if we did not at least talk about this and because uh, it's a huge part of this topic. So uh, I think it's important to discuss. Um, before we get started, if anybody wants to support the show, I'm not going to go through the spiel. All you have to do is go down to our Linktree link below and uh, click on that and you can support the show in many different ways. We have a merch store. We have Patreon with exclusive episodes. We have... Um, you can leave us a nice five-star review. Shout out to uh, Ty, who is the winner of uh, our T-shirt this last month. I'm going to get Maurice your uh, information, and he'll get that shirt out to you ASAP. So congrats on that. And, uh, yeah, am I missing anything? I don't think so. Oh, I had a an amazing idea the other night, too. So I've been reading this uh, biography on J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, regarding, um, you know, the atomic bomb and everything, an amazing book mm-hmm. biography. Um, and going forward, what I want to do is do a series called paradigm shifters where we go through history and we pick out some people that had, um, some sort of huge impact on the way we think about these topics and just metaphysics and cutting edge science and stuff like that in general. So, uh, look for that in the future. Um, and we'll probably do the first one on J Robert Oppenheimer. So, uh, look for that. So, uh, again, I wanted to talk about this, not because I know the most about it's actually what I know least about, but I do know some people who know stuff like Chris, our buddy, Chris, and some other people on UFO UAP Twitter. And I follow what's going on and what's said and everything. And we've talked a little bit, you know, we've talked, touched on the Bob Lazar stuff and everything uh, in the past. So we'll go through uh, kind of all of this. But I would say um, a lot of this starts or where most people um, pick up on this whole aspect, the secrecy aspect would be Roswell, right? 
wouldn't you say that yeah. that's the first scenario um, that uh, that most people bring up when you discuss this topic? Would you be Roswell, or at least that's the first one where um, there's differences in reports and reporting? Uh, I believe was it Jesse Marcel was the the person on the site there that found it, and then initially the report said they found a flying saucer, and then you know they came back and changed the um, the headline and everything. So uh, Roswell's interesting. Um, I would say that's the most iconic crash or incident in history, right? I mean, any you can talk to anybody about Roswell, they know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, that used to be, but I think now more people are going to know about the uh, the Tic Tac, don't you think? I think the old people are phasing out, and <laughs> old Jangles Tic Tac <laughs> is making his way to the top. What do you, so, what do you think? So um, I think the Tic Tac, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what most modern um, observers would point to. Uh, but in terms of, like... <sighs> Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I always think Roswell's interesting. So there's different, I've heard different things. So there's some people that'll speculate and say um, that Roswell, um, I believe, is it is it Annie Jacobson who wrote the book uh, recently about this? I believe she was on Rogan too discussing this, but the idea that uh, the Soviet Union was, at the time, they were taking uh disabled children or something along those lines and cosmetically altering them to make them look like a certain thing, uh, like a, like a gray alien. And then they dropped some sort of like advanced looking ship or technology in our airspace. Uh, and I also then heard the same thing about, um, Japan at the time they did the same thing to us. Uh, so I don't know where that story came from. I don't know if anybody has any, uh, insights on that, but if you do leave a comment, but I know Annie Jacobson who, you know, is written on all these topics, uh, discuss that. I don't, uh, I don't know what to believe. I know it's weird that they would say that they found something and then they didn't find something. The official reasoning for the wreckage at Roswell was that, uh, um, they were testing weather balloons, obviously, or like a, a specific, um, advanced, uh, project at the time. I forget what it's called, but you can look it up. Um, I don't, again, I, I think that it, that one's interesting because it's so iconic, but at the same time, um, it is right after um, World War II. That was the the big boom, too. So, and again, I was mentioned reading this, doc, or this uh, biography on uh, Robert Oppenheimer, and when you go through and you listen to how they developed the atomic bomb, uh, the way that the team came together, they took the best scientists. There was people coming from Europe, um, you know, Enrico Fermi, Hans Bethe, uh, Teller. You had all these people involved. Uh, Niels Bohr came uh, over. Actually, that's how a lot of people found out about it. Is Niels Bohr's came over, uh, who's a physicist, and opened his mouth. He's like, "I'm here to work on," uh, you know. I think he, he is he Danish. I forget, but he came. He he announced like in the press that he was coming here to work on some secret thing. You know, it's like, you don't do that. But um, so but when you look at that whole thing and, and developing the atomic bomb and everything um, and then you start to see things happen like Roswell, uh, you start to see a lot of sightings. You start to see a lot of weird things happen. Um, could this have been some sort of collective um, 
unconscious myth starting to develop or do you think that there's really like what do you think do you think that roswell based on what you know about it was a actual crash or of some sort of extraterrestrial or interdimensional origin or do you think it was uh like they say some sort of um you know weather balloon or test balloon or whatever yeah, man, you really want to put put me over the coals here? No, I, um, I just just a general. I don't know. Me. I don't know what to think about the thing. There's lots of stuff that persuades me either way. Um, I don't know from 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 all the stuff that we've done. We've did that little report. We did that little video on it. It sounds like the weather balloon thing is more of like a cover up. Um, if it wasn't that though, what what could it have been? Um. I don't know. I think it's interesting too that a lot of the stuff surrounds the atomic bomb, and we we have uh, some some kind of connection to uh, sites being connected to you know being in a plane with 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 artillery and stuff like that. So right. I don't know, man. I mean, I I like I love the uh, I like the out there stuff, not necessarily so, out there, but I like the more uh, the more imaginative approach yeah. that it's something that's watching over us and protecting us and when we start messing around with this nuclear nonsense if you will they start to uh, interact do you, know that, and... do you know it's a michigan thing it's not nuclear it's nuclear okay whatever bro no no no, no. I, I i i found that the, i looked this up there's some weird thing about people from michigan instead of saying nuclear they say nuclear that's not a thing <laughs> I, I, I swear to god you can look this up it's just people from michigan i don't know why yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, p- people always say that I sound like I'm from Canada, which I, I hang out at Belle Isle all the time, and that's one stone throw away from the from the coast, from the border, ooh, rather. Yeah. So I, I might as well have been from Canada. But I don't know. I, I think it's a thing that when you're when you have an accent, you don't hear it. So yeah, yeah, I, I probably say a lot of different things. So Roswell happened in 1947. That was the recovery near the ranch in Corona, New Mexico. Um, and again, uh, just, I think it's Jesse Marcel, the guy, you know, in the, in the picture. And I know people have even tried to read that letter from that picture by like zooming in. Do you know what I'm talking about? That famous, like iconic picture where he's got all yeah. this, the debris in front of him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so that's, you know, it's pretty interesting the way that they went back on that, the initial report and everything like that. Um, in terms of. That I mean, that was right after World War II, so 1947. So just so people, you know, they developed the atomic bomb in like a few years, um, and then obviously they dropped it. They didn't have to drop it. And again, we'll, I'll go into a lot of that when we discuss the Robert Oppenheimer stuff, but um, they chose to still drop it even though the Germans had already surrendered. Um and they wanted Oppenheimer wanted to show the world the power of this thing, so it wasn't hidden in some sort of military technology or used covertly in the future. He wanted it out there so the world knew, like this is what's coming, this is what science is now, this is where things are going, this is what war is now. Um, so that's why they decided to still drop it. Now, you know, they could have ended with the first one on Hiroshima. I think it was like 60,000 people died. And then they did it again in Nagasaki and like 44,000 people died, I think. So it's a lot yeah. of people, um, not to mention all the fallout and the, the people that died, you know, afterwards from all the other stuff. So 
uh, as terrifying and as horrific as it is, um, that's where science was going. I think three German scientists uh, before had figured out how to split the atom, and that's what led, you know, nuclear fission and all that stuff. So, um, but back, so that so all that happened, and then you have the end of World War II. So then, um, right after World War II, you have them, the United States, then trying to figure out, like, how can we even build bigger bombs? And then they come up with the idea of, like, the hydrogen bomb. But, so in between the end of World War II and um, that, you have the, the, the Russians getting in the game. Okay, so now you have this, this Cold War pretty much starts after World War II. They know that we have the atomic bomb. Um, they're working on it as well. I think they eventually tested their first one in 1949, if I'm not mistaken. So, mm. um, so yeah, that's pretty big, um, pretty big stuff there. Uh, it's in terms of when you look at, um, when you look at, um, the whole scenario too, it's, it speaks to like this paradigm shifting moment in humanity where you're literally going from still strategy and everything to being able to build something through science and technology that has the capability of wiping any sort of strategy off the map for certain, you know, certain scenarios. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, when I look at where we've come since then, it's, it's, that was almost like catapulted us to where we are now with technology. Cause I mean, look at the advancements in technology, even since world war two, pretty big stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look at it different ways because you could look at technology now, um, and say that we're not as in tune with, you know, the earth or things that could be produced via given our natural environment. Um, we, we keep gravitating towards this, uh, manipulation, manipulation, meaning that like, so, I would say the main difference between us and like some sort of advanced smart animal like a chimpanzee or a gray parrot or whatever. I mean, you can see some of these primates use tools, you know, but we're the only thing that makes tools that makes tools. You know what I'm saying? Like we make things that make things. Yeah. And I've had that epiphany too, standing in downtown Chicago, looking around being like, this is something different. This is, this is amazing, you know, so I, I, I like to separate ourselves from the animals maybe more than others, but I don't know. I think, I think when you stand in one of those big cities, you can really see that we've, uh, we've taken this to a whole new level and our minds are at a different elevation than, than the animals, you know? Right. Um, so you have that, um, back to the Roswell thing though. So you start to see these things happen, uh, and that's why I wonder, like, when you think about these topics, are is there something weirder going on, or is this like um, misidentification stuff? Is it human bias? Is it human cognitive biases at play? Is it pareidolia? Um, is it was it really something that happened? I mean, I you know, in terms of um, when you look at the history of this topic, I mean, people have been seeing weird stuff in the sky. So it's not like people just started seeing weird stuff in the sky in 1947. That's when you start to see some of the more archetypal things we know now, though, like the flying saucers or the disc-shaped crafts, uh, gray alien-type beings, um, 
you see a lot of that kind of stuff start to happen. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, the Foo Fighters start to make their appearance. So like, I mean, then that's the other thing is they're saying that 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 stuff, the debris was um, was basically leftover debris from a test surveillance balloon, which was part of Project Mogul. That was the name of the project that I was trying to think of the name, Project uh-huh. Mogul. So um, when you analyze that i mean look they were testing stuff in the desert i know uh from reading that the j robin uh oppenheimer um biography i keep trying to say documentary it's a biography um they discuss he's the one that picked los alamos like he had a ranch in new mexico that he him and his brother called perro caliente or hot dog um and he knew that landscape very well, so he's the one that picked Los. So now we know Los Alamos Labs and Los Alamos and everything. But back then it was nothing; it was just desert. So he literally picked that spot, and they they built like shacks and and um, small houses and like little labs and things like that all the way out in the desert. There was nothing there. So I think at the 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 height of that, there was six thousand people that were living and working there. So that's a lot of people to live in some upstart place in the middle of nowhere. Um, but so you have that part of the, um, the American Southwest or the Southwest. That's where a lot of the testing and everything happens. As somebody mentioned, that's where they're storing all this stuff. So, you know, there's two ways you could look at it. You could look at maybe there is something extra, you know, terrestrial or interdimensional or metaphysical happening, some sort of beings checking in. But if that's the case, um, why are they just interested it seems like and i know other there's tons of sightings in other countries and stuff like that but it just seems like there's some sort of weird thing that happens in our in the american west or american southwest with uh sightings and stuff there's other hot spots chicago um some parts on the east coast i know chris always mentions there's parts in michigan and stuff like that but it just doesn't it seem to you whenever the stuff's either depicted or whatever it's always like some secret desert base in the American West or Southwest. It just always feels that way. Yeah. Um, and you know, you had like coast to coast, you know, where a lot of the people that would call in, it was a West coast thing or like, a mountain, you know, time zone type thing. So I don't know, maybe all that feeds into that, but I just feel like, could these things be interested in the, the nuclear weapons and the nuclear technology? Or was this really part of some sort of test balloon? You know, I, I, again, I want to talk about this because um, I want to look at the way the mind uh, interprets this stuff. So um, I think it would be weird. So today, let's say somebody uh, found what appears to be a UFO and then the news crew came and they're like, yeah, this is weird. This is some sort of UFO. And then... Um, the next day they go, oh, it actually was this other thing, part of this other thing. You would be like, whoa, well, well, I don't know. You know, seems kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's how we would approach it now. Like something, some sort of shenanigans is going on here. Um, so I think that when you look at it historically, um, could it make sense that it was part of some sort of, you know, nuclear balloon? Yeah, obviously they test stuff over there. But from the accounts, the people that were there, the debris sites, people finding stuff uh, in the ground. I know there's two guys who wrote a book. I don't know if you can look this up. Um, uh, they went pretty deep, though, um, into looking. I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, 
and I know Stanton Friedman's looked into this. Um, he, I believe he thought that the, the Stanton Friedman, who's like one of the top UFO, uh, ufologists of all time, who's also a physicist, said that he believed that the debris was extraterrestrial. Um, so, um, yeah. Oh, and the, the, the alien bodies, supposedly they said they came out and said that those were like test dummies. You know, if you've ever seen that, the worst Indiana Jones, the crystal skull one. <laughs> no, uh, I haven't. You've never I seen, that? seen that? No. Oh, dude. It's, it's worth actually checking out if you've never seen it. Um, but, uh, it's with, um, Shia LaBeouf yeah, and it's yeah, about the crystal skulls and there's there's definitely aliens in this movie which is kind of crazy for, for being an Indiana Jones I guess it's not that crazy because the Ark of the Covenant one and stuff but anyways um uh so in that movie there at the beginning it shows them testing a nuclear bomb and he survives he's like in one of those like test like fake villages or like fake right, towns right, or whatever right. yeah, yeah and he like gets inside you know there's like fake dummies and stuff everywhere and he gets inside this uh this fridge because it can protect them yeah from, you know i, I don't th- know i think i've seen stuff on it i I, not, I never have seen the movie but i've seen definitely it's, i guess it's worth seeing fridge. i mean if you've seen all the other indiana jones it's it's not i think it's the worst one out of all three actually I, I, there's more than th- there's more than three. No, there's that three. That would be the fourth, isn't it? Yeah, that's the fourth one. Oh, okay. I'm saying so it's, the, it's the, the, worst, the worst. Oh, I guess of, out of four, I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah. I've only seen uh, the Temple of Doom, I think. Ark of the Covenant, Temple of Doom. I haven't Doom. seen that. I've seen the Temple of Doom. Well, the, the one where he takes the rock and or he takes the statue and the, the boulders chasing him. Or not the Ark of the Covenant. What's it called? Uh let me look this shit. Look, look this stuff up here. <laughs> uh, oh, the Lost Ark. That's what it's called. Yeah. Indiana Jones, the Lost Ark. And then there's the Temple of Doom. And then what's the, oh, the um, the one with Sean Connery, the uh, uh, the one where Sean. he finds uh That's Christ. the first one, isn't it? Raiders no, of the Lost Ark is the first one. Raiders of the Lost Ark. There you go. Temple of Doom is the one I saw. Yeah. The Last Crusade. The Last Crusade, that's the one with Sean Connery. And then the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And then, ladies and gentlemen, the untitled fifth Indiana Jones film, which is planned for 2023. Wow. With Shia LaBeouf's little brother. I know they had to... They were shooting it or something, and Harrison Ford got hurt or something, so they had to postpone shooting it or something along those lines. Yeah. So anyway, so that's basically looking at Roswell. Um, it's hard to know because it's so long ago. I mean, we're talking a long, long time ago. That's what so. I was saying. Like it's it's almost we're almost being detached from it, and the new era of people is probably, like I said, more connected to these newer sightings. But well, and you have to think know. too, like the things we know now, we're so. Um, I think we're so tuned in and it can be a negative thing too. I think we're so dialed in with technology and updated information and stuff. People are so are just taking in so much data or data that mm-hmm. it over it's overwhelming at times. And you can actually make mistakes, I think, in thinking. That's why I was mentioning was it last episode, how some of the ancient thinkers were so disciplined and thought they knew how their mind worked. They knew um that they didn't know how their mind worked exactly, but they knew like um, 
the basic tools of philosophy and how to think about things in a way that was productive that led to invention and paradigm shifts and things of that nature and i think right now we're all just consuming things we're not really thinking too much on our own we're almost like bees in a beehive now as opposed to being like independent uh insects is is the way i look at it like we used to be like independent insects and now we're very bee-like um interesting uh, it's weird considering all we're destroying the bees maybe we're taking yeah. them over those the bees are very important 100 percent um okay so yeah so that's roswell so again i've i've heard weird things annie jacobson's written about the stuff with the uh soviets dropping it off there with um cosmetically enhanced bodies same thing with i've heard the same thing about uh japan i I don't know if anybody has any information on that leave a comment um but yeah i think that there's something weird going on with roswell i don't know what it is uh but something weird's going on Um, could it be extraterrestrial could it be interdimensional who knows um you know some people speculate that obviously these things are drawn into the uh, nuclear weapons and uh, the the impact that that has on the cosmos like we can't see everything either through our visual spectrum so who knows you know if you believe in like string hypothesis and that everything's connected through these cosmic strings who knows uh, you know think of like a spider web and um, shaking one of those strings you know fly lands in there the, the spider might be across the whole web but it could feel Right. Every, right. You know, who knows? Something like that. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting to think about. Um, so then you get to like Project Blue Book, um, J. Allen Hynek, um, who was a physicist. Initially, he was brought in. He was very skeptical. He was brought in to debunk a lot of these weird um, sightings and incidents and all sorts of stuff. You know, they use things like swamp gas or planets or stars or you know flare you know there's all sorts of different explanations for stuff that people see in the sky and um and again initially he was brought in to debunk that stuff but through the process of investigating these things he became kind of a believer and um turned into um what i would consider somebody that's that believed that there was more going on um than was initially thought so Mm. For somebody to be uh, an empirical, sci- you know, or a uh, uh, physicist that's into empirical sciences, that you would think that um, debunking would be uh, right up that person's alley, like meaning that they would be like, all right, yeah, nothing else to see here. But the fact that he changed his mind and he had access to all sorts of extra uh, data and cases and eyewitnesses and experiencers and all sorts of stuff, I mean... Um, who knows what he exactly had access to that they were, he was able to draw from. So again, the, the secrecy aspect of this, um, I don't talk about it much because I like things that I can actually draw from like experience wise, um, or you can point to this or point to that with the secrecy stuff. You don't know what's going on. Uh, a lot of these, organizations uh they put different stuff out there different ones have different agendas not all of them are connected to each other uh so it's it's very very difficult to kind of discern what's going on um and if anybody's interested in like this kind of stuff to follow uh our buddy chris wolford on 
um, Twitter. He's always got interesting stuff to say. And actually, he's I think he's doing a Twitter space tomorrow on this kind of stuff. So if you're interested, follow Beautiful. Chris. Uh, but yeah, that, that's up his alley. Uh, but again, I think our our duty is to put information out there. And I don't think that since we're wrapping up the whole UAP UFO topic here with this one, I don't, I don't think it was fair to not at least address this stuff. Are you okay with saying the 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 U word, or are you gonna get you gonna get some fines? UAP. Read, 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 read. So, all right. So, yeah. So, you have Project Blue Book, um, and then you have um, the uh, Condine. Uh, um, is it Condine? Yeah, you have somebody that came in. I think he was a physicist from the University of uh, Colorado that uh, came in to debunk everything. Um, let's see here. Uh, what do you think in terms of uh, all this stuff? Do you think it's just all manipulation back and forth? Or do you think... Um, Oh, no, Project Condine was initially, um, or that's the UK version. I'm sorry, I was getting that confused. Uh, but the the Condon Committee, that's what I was, uh, I was confusing it with. The Condon commun- uh, Committee was a University of Colorado project uh, that was funded by the Air Force, and um, basically the physicist Edward Condon came in and tried to debunk everything or did debunk everything according to him um when you look at i think condon i i think i don't know if it's the same one but i I believe he came up in the atomic bomb um yeah he was a part of the manhattan manhattan project i was gonna say I, i think he was in that uh oppenheimer biography so that's pretty interesting um when you look at uh these committees so right now back then they were looking to debunk i think now when you look at this the uap report and where uh congress and politics is taking this whole thing it's going to be interesting are they doing this because they feel like um they're looking to get votes or are they doing it because it's like a scientific duty or are some of these people really looking for answers i does it matter you know like how how are we supposed to think about this because uh it used to be poo-pooed and you know they what do they call it the uh the uh laugh of not the laugh effect but the uh the joke effect or whatever the people used to joke about it so much that you brought it up. They didn't even have to dismiss it because it would dismiss itself just on merit alone. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, when you look at what's going on now, I, I just wonder compared to how things used to be. So back then they were trying to keep everything under wraps and keep it close to the vest. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like debunk things, you know. Now it seems like the people that are doing the debunking are like the Mick Wests or the Michael Shermers or people, these professional like s- skeptics, you know. Like, um, and some of them aren't even, they're very, very dogmatic. So I don't even know if I would consider them a skeptic, even though they consider themselves skeptics. But um, those people are doing it. You don't really see too much of that from the government bodies now. So it's interesting. The people that you have 
that are working along these are, are actually open-minded and interested in looking into this stuff. So I think we could be seeing two things that this was actually never really investigated before because of the laugh factor or the, um, the people not taking it seriously or just thinking it's a joke or it's science fiction or whatever. Um, and now people are actually taking it seriously and actually investigating it and saying there's weird things are happening. People do experience weird things. All these people are coming forward, all these pilots, all these uh, military people, all sorts of people are coming forward. Should we at least entertain this? Um, so again, I, I guess, does it matter if these people in Congress are actually interested in it? Um, I think they should be, but who knows? I don't, we don't talk about politics on the show for a reason. It's, it's such a, yeah, a mess. Everything's a mess. Um, uh-huh. so I don't know. I, I try not to get involved again from that aspect of things, but I just find it interesting that we were a country that used to debunk, uh, or at least try to. And now it seems like we're more open to changing that. So um, there's a couple possible reasons why. Maybe we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, So you have that. Um, Then you get to things like, I think, the Rendlesham Forest. I know you know about this one. We've talked about the Rendlesham Forest incident quite a bit uh, in the past. Um, So you have these two guys that are working security see something weird they go check it out in the forest one guy supposedly touches the craft and has like a time a a time loss you know losing time or frozen in time kind of a thing some sort of data download you have another guy that's got some sort of you know um has an effect on his physical being um and then you have uh who's the who's the general that comes the next day look that up actually i'll do it uh, general, man, it's on the tip of my tongue. Cause, uh, not grievous. <laughs> um, so when, when, so these guys saw something and they, they experienced this weird craft, uh, like a triangular shaped craft. Um, and the next, or they went back and they said, Hey, we saw this weird thing. Um, and then you have, uh, let's see here. Um, Lieutenant, oh yeah. Lu- uh, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt. That's who, yeah. uh, he shows up with a few people and there's some markings in the ground. I guess there was some sort of radiation. He saw some sort of weird lights in the sky, uh, that they were people claimed afterwards were just planets or stars, but I don't believe that. Uh, we even did uh, like a short movie on it a long time ago. Uh, but the guy from Expedition Unknown, what's his name? Um, I, I can't remember his name either. I'm not remembering anybody tonight. I'm my memory's shot for some reason. I've had a long day. Uh, oh, Josh Gates. There we go. So Josh Gates from Expedition Unknown. There's a lighthouse. Um, there's a lighthouse by there's there's two bases there. There's RAF Woodbridge. And, um, which is, uh, in that area. And then you have basically, uh, this big forest, which is Rendlesham forest. It's in Suffolk, England. Um, and you have, I think there's nuclear weapons stored at, at one of the bases, if I'm not mistaken. But one of the explanations was the Orfordness lighthouse, which is like by the coast in that area. And Josh Gates did an episode where, 
I guess, I guess it's out of commission, the lighthouse, but he like somehow set it up so it would work again with some other sort of, I don't even know how that works. Uh, but they set up like a light at the top so they could shine like what equivalent would be of, of what the lighthouse used to be. And it didn't even penetrate any part of the forest. Right, so, right, yeah. So to say that that was because they were seeing something from the lighthouse is stupid. That's not what was happening. So, um, And then I read something a couple of years ago that said that the U.S., because the, the U.S. base was really close to the British base right there, that the U.S., um, military servicemen were messing with um, the British service members and they pranked them and then to get back at them this is what the British uh, service people did to get back at the Americans but I don't know how you would create a craft like that that would um, invoke that kind of an experience and then also have people see weird stuff the next night too like that doesn't make any or later on that doesn't make any sense um so uh, I don't know, but that's that's what was used to do. So people either point to it being some sort of like meteorite or whatever, or some people point to that that lighthouse, which obviously couldn't be. It's been that theory's been tested. Um, and then I don't know where you'd have some. You'd have to look up the story, but I forget where I read it. But you'd have to look into. Uh, the service members. I don't even know if anybody admitted to it that was a service member. Just somebody wrote this article that they had talked to somebody and that that's what was happening. But again, who knows? I think that the fact that um, the two guys, uh, I think it's Hayes. Uh, what's the the people's name? This is why I need young Kevo to, to jump in with with all of the the info. Are you talking about Rendlesham? Yeah. Rendlesham well, young Kevo, it's very hard for him because he can't spell <laughs> uh, And I know young Kevo's got a head oak tonight. <laughs> um, but anyways, but, so you know, the basically, I th- I think this one's weird. I think Rendlesham Forest is weird. I think it's always been weird. Um, I don't know. Um. Again, they found radiation, depressions, uh, with with readings, um, all sorts of stuff. So, who knows? Yeah. Let's see here. Man, when we were making that documentary little series, it was uh, right at the tip of my tongue. Yeah, that's a long time ago when we first started doing this podcast. We had like a separate channel that we were going to make these like short movies on a lot of these topics. And we made one on top ufo sightings of all time and this was one of them i think we was this one this was either number two or number one i forget yeah it's when when i'm editing these things it's over and over and over again so yeah. the names are on the tip of my tongue at all yeah. points were um, you even close to halt, uh colonel halt yeah charles halt bro oh yeah peniston that was the one guy yeah saying. peniston um yeah, I don't know. I'm looking on here. I I, I read so much and taking so much new UFO. data every day and information that it's hard for me to remember this stuff, um, or at least the details. Anyways, um, so I think Rendlesham Forest is weird. Definitely some sort of weird cover up. I don't know. Um, I don't know though. I don't. It might not have been intentional either. It might have been some sort of weird thing happened, but. Um, yeah, I think, again, near a nuclear facility. So there's a lot of people that 
again, will point to a lot of these incidents and weird things happen around nuclear facilities. Uh, obviously, you have to have a really high clearance. Um, I know Oppenheimer didn't even get uh, his Q clearance till like later on, um, and he had to be vetted like pretty intensely since he had a background uh, of being uh, a communist or a communist sympathizer. So. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff, but yeah, definitely if nobody's ever looked into it, look into Rendlesham Forest. I think it's one of the more credible, uh, things. I don't really have seen too many things that have debunked it, um, efficiently, at least I'm not aware of if anybody has anything one way or another, if you think it is the most credible, what's a, but you know, what's something that we, we didn't mention, you know, as far as evidence. And if you, uh, don't think it's credible. Why don't, why don't you think it's credible? What, what about it? Is there something specific, you know? I don't know. Yeah, it says in 2010, base commander Colonel Ted Conrad provided a statement about the incident to, to Clark. Conrad statement, we saw nothing that resembled what Colonel Halt's description, either in the sky or the ground. But Colonel Halt's was later on, so his wasn't even the main part of the sighting. Ah. Uh, so Halt saw like three star-like, it was in like a triangle, triangular thing so yeah again, i've never even heard of this conrad guy i'm reading some stuff about him good old conrad connie it's connor it's our it's our cousin connor <laughs> it's like the seinfeld episode you he goes what do you want to be called conrad connie con um so yeah awesome stuff um now the one that i think everybody knows would be area 51 right i think that's the that's the one where everybody points to is weird stuff going on there. You know, people used to go in the desert and sit up and watch things leaving Groom Lake and Area 51 and all sorts of stuff. Um, you're not even allowed to go into the mountains around there. There's fenced off things, and they'll they'll come out there and meet you. They have people, security, and stuff. So um, I think last year, what was it last year? No, two years ago, maybe they had that event, like that storm area 51 and it ended up just being a bunch of people partying outside. And they're like, if anybody shows up, we're going to shoot them. And stuff. Like, <laughs> like, why would you even, you know, uh, attempt that? But, um, but yeah, so that, that happened. I remember it was a two, three years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, so area 51 is the big one people talk about. So now, talk a little bit about Bob Lazar. So Bob Lazar initially when I, I had never heard of him until, um, I started. Rogan. Yeah, I think it was, well, no, I had heard of him before that, but I think really looking into him was, so you have the Rogan episode and then you have that Jeremy Corbell documentary. Now, um, <laughs> the Jeremy Corbell documentary uh, Information-wise, got some interesting, interesting information. However, uh, the Mickey Rourke voiceover, you know, there's parts where it's like, Mickey Rourke's like, what were they doing up there in the desert? You know, and like doing all these like, <laughs> <laughs> and like doing all, it's like, so like that I couldn't really take seriously. I think the best voiceover and documentary combination for this topic is the phenomenon. Because you have the phenomenon, which was made very, very well, um, and then you have um, the uh, the uh, voiceover for that, which is uh, Peter Wolf. Yeah, I can't remember what that one sounds like. 
I mean, what's this, the wrestler, wrestler master wasn't bad. He had a nice, deep, rugged voice. Yeah. Or not rusty. Yeah, yeah. Is it Peter Wolf? Maybe. A, am I gonna, I'm getting all oh, sorts of mixed up. That's a fairy tale. No. Peter and the Wolf. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, Good music. Um. But anyways, so you have Bob Lazar. I don't know. I mean, what do you believe Bob Lazar based on stuff you've seen and stuff you've heard and stuff like that? I mean, if he, he, I think we can both agree that whatever he's saying, he believes wholeheartedly. Um, cause he's, there's no way this guy is better than 90% of the actors or maybe he is. I don't know, but I think whatever he's spewing, he's believing, but is this guy just off his rocker? That's another story altogether. I don't know, man. I, uh, yeah, I tend to believe him, but see, that's my, a, that, that's some pretty crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the whole Bob Lazar thing. Oh, Peter, Peter Coyote. That's why I said Peter Wolf. That was Jesus. And Peter Coyote is from. Uh, if you ever seen ET, you know the guy that like works for the government that's chasing them towards the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's Peter Coyote. He used to be in a bunch of like oh. '80s movies and stuff like that. But he's he narrates like a ton of stuff now. He's a great narrator. Any documentary, I'll watch any documentary. Uh, it's usually on like nature or like stuff like that that he narrates. But it's well, he's the, he's the best doc. He's the best narrator until our own Michael Maisie narrates. Well, we'll see. He's coming at you. We shall see. Um. So, but the the whole Bob Lazar thing. So, if, if anybody doesn't know who Bob Lazar is, supposedly um, he used to work at this facility in the desert called S four, um, and he was a physicist that they picked to work on this compartmentalized top secret project to work on a craft that we already have recovered. Um, when he's a, you know, I, I recommend you watch the Rogan episode with him. Um, and he also has the documentary with Jeremy Corbell. Anyways, those two together, you can kind of build a picture of what was going on, his backstory and everything. But so there's some things that, you know, corroborate his, his story, like the hand scanner thing uh, that scans the bone density. Um, and uh, what else? Some stuff that he mentioned early on. Um, and then you have like, so people question because he doesn't, he claimed that he went to MIT and Caltech, but there's no records of him ever going to school there. And supposedly the only evidence there is that maybe he has a friend that maybe dropped him off at one of those schools sometime. I think that that was like the only evidence for that. Um, but when you look at his story and watch him speak, for me, it's like there's two things that could be happening here with Bob Lazar. Number one, he is telling the truth as far as he knows, meaning that maybe he was brought in. Maybe he did work on some sort of what he thought was an alien craft. You know, maybe he did see what could have been like a little gray through a window for a half a second. Maybe he did um, work on some cutting edge stuff. Uh, maybe these things did happen. Or maybe he was shown these things you know, and assumed that they were telling him the truth and those weren't, that wasn't like, maybe they were trying to fool him, meaning that like maybe they were trying to um, fool 
what he thought or manipulated what he thought about it um and that those weren't really the things that were happening for whatever reason then some people will speculate okay so then why would they do that one would be to get keep the myth going the mythos surrounding ufos and flying saucers and aliens and things like that um another thing would be that maybe um maybe uh he just didn't know what he was seeing and it could have been part of something else so those are a couple of theories out there. I mean, that's I know, probably the most reckonable. So that's probably the most. So, and then, so the re, so the I guess stuff went down though when he was working there, they because they were like tapping his phones and everything and surveilling him, and they found out that his wife was having an affair with his friend, uh, and they knew that that would make him unstable. Um, so he got things got kind of crazy there. I'm not going to ruin it if anybody's never looked into the story you should look into it um but from there you have him kind of going rogue and like calling calling it out and then he meets with george knapp and then he's talking with george knapp and then he's you know getting his information out there making movies and stuff and he claims that he has this um element 115 so that's the other part of the story that um corroborates his story would be this uh Basically, he claimed that all this stuff before this was even discovered, that there's this thing called Element 115, uh-huh. um, which um, wasn't an element at the time, but now they've it's become an element. I think that, uh, let's see here, I think it, it's been an element, but it's not in stable form. Um, he claims there is a stable form of it, and that's what's used as fuel for... Right, right the sport model or whatever. Yeah. So Moscovium, this was discovered, um, uh, by Russian American scientists, um, in some sort of joint Institute. So, and this is one of those things where they only discovered it for like a few seconds. It's not, again, it's not something that's stable or can be contained it, but he's claiming there is a stable version and that's how they layer this stuff on top of each other or something. Um, to make these propulsion systems work that are supposedly anti-gravity. Yeah. Something um, that he's stated, but he's never proved. So yeah, there, again, there's a lot of weird stuff. And then there's the whole, th- Ooh, Maurice losing the headset. Um, there's a whole part of his story where he also got in trouble because he was running a, uh, brothel for a while. Jesus. Um, so yeah, there's other stuff going on there, but again, um, so it comes down down to this after looking into some stuff and researching it for a while, I went down that rabbit hole. I would say this either he believed what he saw and what he was told, or he pondered it or at least took it, you know, into consideration or, um, he's lying and he's a, some sort of sociopath or excellent liar. Um, yeah. And I hate to say that, but it's like, if you can lie the way for, and the other thing is, it's not like he's rich and famous. It's not like he's made out from this whole thing. It's not like he's crushing loot, you know, or anything like that. So we might be crushing booty, but why why else, why else would you do that though? Like it, it just doesn't make sense. So, um, and he is a real scientist. I mean, he put a rocket engine, uh, in his, uh, what did he have? Like a honda or something like that you know some crappy little car uh and he's if you watch this guy in the documentary and stuff he's he's knows what he's doing he's definitely a scientist but Mm -hmm. um again it comes down to do you believe that he had access to the stuff and that he's telling the truth and what he saw and was that really there 
or is this all a lie? Um, because for whatever, again, he's maybe he thinks it's some funny thing to keep some sort of lie his whole life. I mean, I don't know. Could there be people like that? I guess, but I don't know. So yeah, so I think he's either telling the truth about what he saw, or he's a sociopath. <laughs> well, that's that's some good sleuthing from you. I mean, what I I know? Didn't you watch those back? I know because you weren't on that episode. We actually did. It's like one of, it was one of, for a while, it was one of our more watched YouTube videos, but it's uh, a review of the Joe Rogan episode and the documentary. I think I had Matt Tiller on with me because you were like out of town or something. No, I think I did do that one because I I watched that documentary. Yeah, but I don't think you did it. I'm telling you. All right. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, go, go, everybody go back and let me know if Matt Tiller or Maurice. Um, but so yeah, so that's the Bob Lazar stuff again. Secrecy aspects of it, obviously. Look, and for the sake of like national security and all that stuff like that, there's definitely stuff that you do have to keep secret. I don't, I don't you know, you just have to do it. Um, I could see why, you know, you would keep something like let's say you did have something groundbreaking like alien technology or something you found that you have no idea what it is. It's just it's it's anomalous in some way. Um, there could be some sort of implications, again, like going back to like World War Two, where we put a team together and everybody was thinking that this atomic bomb was possible, but we are the ones that came up with it. So that is groundbreaking. It won the war, I mean, even though the war, at least the Germans had already surrendered, but it won the war because the Japanese were still coming, you know, coming at us. So, um, so in that regard, you look at the secrecy aspects of that, you do have to keep stuff secret. So if there's some sort of military application for this stuff, you're going to have to keep it secret. Is it fair? Is it what? I don't know. I don't know what should be told, what shouldn't be told. But if you look at what information's out there in general, people can't even handle day-to-day stuff you know like people the drama of day-to-day stuff you look at online the stuff people are fighting about is so mundane and so stupid um you know i don't know and i just i think that certain things should be kept secret but if there's something like if we know if they knew aliens existed or some sort of civilization other than uh from a different planet or a galaxy or interdimensional beings if they knew something existed i think that they should tell humanity about it but i don't think if it's technology that they have no idea what it does or what it is i think that's a different story Uh, would you agree with that yeah because one has implications that are greater than humanity and then one just has you don't know you don't know what what the implications are because it's just a metamaterial or a craft or what you know you don't know where it came from or what it is I want to know if it's for both. And I want to know well, now, Dan. I know we all want to know, but like I said, there's a difference between wanting to know and needing to know. I'm not like some sort of gatekeeper type person, I think. But when you think about these topics, again, like look at the atomic bomb. It's like, shoot. And in, 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 in that, that biography, Oppenheimer talks about wanting to share uh with the Russians or like thinking, should we tell the Russians we have this or should we tell the Russians that we're developing this uh, kind of giving them like a heads up kind of a thing. Um, and I think eventually they, after we had it like made and everything, I think uh, Truman told Stalin 
but Stalin brushed off like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it wasn't like taken seriously or maybe he didn't understand the ramifications of that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 again, I think that when you look at this topic, it's, it's very complicated. There's so many different things and that's why I don't love the secrecy aspects of it because I like to draw from personal experience and thinking, um, thinking tools and I none of these things play into that because there's there's information there's disinformation there's misinformation it's all you know all out there so you have to weed through that and who has time to do that and live like a normal productive life you know I just I think of that meme of Charlie um from it's always sunny where he's got the board in front of him and he's making all the yeah. connections yeah that's good stuff um so yeah, so that would be the Bob Lazar stuff. Um and now you get to more modern times. Uh you've got you had TTSA for a while. I would say that that was like a a change in tune whether you like them, don't like them, liked what they did, didn't like what they did. Obviously, they didn't produce what they said they were going to produce in terms of a some sort of interstellar vehicle whether it be anti-gravity or whatever. Um, they did not produce that. Um, they did, however, get the word out. There was some sort of, um, I would say it was like a, a, a media campaign that worked in the sense that I feel like way more people are talking about this stuff than ever, right? Uh-huh. So again, whether you like Tom DeLong or not, I mean, he had a huge part in getting people interested in the topic that I would have never even have thought about it before. So, um, So there's that. But I don't see any secrecy. So there's people that are in TTSA that have had clearance stuff. You know, you had Hal Putoff, who was part of the SRI program and remote viewing and all that stuff, um, and other people involved, and obviously you have Lou Elizondo. Uh, and then you have Lou Elizondo kind of going off on his own now, pretty much running the show um, in terms of what's going on right now. Um uh, with the UAP stuff and the UAP movement, and then you have all these activists. So that, I, I think that's another thing that's interesting is now you have what's called UAP or UFO activists on Twitter. These people are actively reaching out to politicians, Congress people, uh, media people um, to to get this topic out there and discussed um, in intelligent ways. So. Uh, that's a di- that's a different story than what it used to be, right? So I mentioned, you know, we're talking about Roswell. They're trying to cover it up. They're trying to cover everything up. Back then, they're trying to debunk things. They're trying to do all that. And now you see this pivot happening where it's like it's cool to talk about. You have a lot of people talking about it. It's in the news pretty regularly. Uh, they're having hearings. There was the UAP report. You have Avi Loeb from Harvard, one of their top astrophysicist studying this thing he created the Galileo project to study these anomalies and figure out what's going on again lots of stuff kind of changing so you have people now I see certain people like people that have been studying this for a long time that are getting nervous about what they're seeing they're like well why are we doing this now why are we looking into this now why all of a sudden is this like an open topic and it used to be like poo-pooed or made fun of or shit on or whatever and now people you know, it's cool to talk about, or, you know, they're telling service members, if you see something, you know, in in the military to report it or whatever. So why is this happening? Do you think, I mean, I'm asking you, do you think this is some sort of shift in 
philosophy, meaning that maybe they think that there is something there, or do you think that this is just the same old thing as usual? It's just being repackaged in a different way. Uh, I think it's probably more towards the lines of the same old stuff getting repackaged. I, I always have to question why something's happening now and not before, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to push anyone out because I like to take in all the information and, and see where it goes. But I just feel with all the technology that we have, the phones and whatnot, we'd have more substantial evidence. But um, that's where the the state of mind comes into play. Are people seeing these things that are in more of an elevated state of mind or what's going on there? So um, remember something I brought up a while ago. I don't know if you remember this. But you can take a picture, right? Like we have sick cameras now. You're a photographer. You're a professional photographer. You know what we have capabilities of. Uh But that is a piece of technology or a piece of equipment. That is not a human being with cognitive abilities. So whatever, like there's a difference between taking a picture and looking at something with your eyes, right? Would you agree with that? Like your, all yeah. your senses come into play and you're processing through this thing through like your, your brain's basically a supercomputer. Mm-hmm. So I, the whole camera thing I'm not sold on in the sense that, so you know where I stand with the whole UFO thing. I think it, there could be some elements of mythology to there, or maybe we're seeing something that we can't, fully recognize given our built-in pareidolia and cognitive biases. Like maybe there's something there that we're just not seeing it the right way or understanding it the right way. And if that's the case, um, maybe that is the point of seeing these things is to somehow bring us along to the point where we can understand them or we can connect with them. They're just so advanced or so um, whatever uh, way ahead of us that we, we got to figure out a way to bridge that gap. But Again, I think there's a difference when people point to a camera. Well, a camera is not a thinking individual. And a lot of people, if you believe there's a consciousness aspect to this thing, are cameras conscious? No, they're not. So, again, I would, point that, <laughs> I would point that out. Um, uh, let's see here. Tommy commented uh, he saw a UFO at night hovering above the tree line back in 2003. No uh, sound, just a bright light of energy along the tree line. That's pretty interesting, and that's not uncommon. I mean, how many people have we talked to uh, on this podcast or um, in Twitter spaces or whatever that have seen a a ball of light or an orb or something just hovering uh, kind of a thing along the tree line? Lots of weird stuff like that. So, Um, But, yeah, so back to what we were talking about. So I guess the, the, the big thing now or the big when you're talking about secrecy, the big topic is usually the Wilson documents. And I know, again, if you're interested in this, check out Chris Wolford um, and what he's done with this. But um, the the Wilson documents are basically, so General Wilson supposedly had a meeting um, and with uh, Eric Davis, who is a scientist who studies these kind of weird and fringe anomalies for the government and contractors and stuff like that. Um, and he was taking notes and supposedly the basis of the story is that, um, we have craft or recovered craft or retrievals and they bring the topic and the stuff out every 10 years to see if we've caught enough technology and intellectually wise. 
and supposedly we're getting closer and that's the reason why um you see all this activity so and general i will point out general wilson denies that this happens there's going to be some sort of um i know that they mentioned this in the congressional hearings uh i i don't know what to make of it other than um that eric davis guy seems like a pretty smart dude um and i don't i don't know why he would have a reason to lie but what i mean again what does that mean what where the who is studying this stuff you know if it's not an eric davis or if it's not a whoever who are the people who are the scientists that have access to this stuff i would that's what i would want to know and what are their qualifications you know right right um but i don't know i i like i said i don't love this topic in general it's just because there's it just doesn't have um just doesn't have any like footing or like you know you don't have any ground to gain it's all scattered it's all over the place yeah so i don't know but yeah the wilson documents that's what everybody's talking about now in terms of secrecy so again it's the idea that we have advanced we have these crafts or we have knowledge about them and that they bring the stuff up every 10 years to see if we've caught up so uh, i think mm. we're we're getting closer or we're there or something along those lines at least that's what i've been hearing so right right um but uh yeah I mean that's pretty much it. I'm not. We're not going to do a long episode. Uh, if you like this topic, though, the UFO UAP stuff, we did so. 6.0 was just on UFOs and UAPs. Um, 6.1 was on uh, aliens and interdimensional and metaphysical beings. 6.2 uh, was on which one? Oh, that one was like altered states uh, and the connection between these beings and altered states of consciousness, and then. The last episode we did, actually, that was one of my more favorite ones we did, the 6.3, which was the philosophy of UFOs. I really like yeah, that Yeah, that was one a cool lot. one. I think we've covered a lot of the basis. Yeah. So, so if anyone can find something yeah. tickled or... <laughs> You were going to finish that, but I don't think you knew where you were even going. Tickle their toes. I don't know. You know? <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. That's it. I mean, like I said, if you're interested in this topic, a good person to follow would be Chris Wolford on Twitter. Uh, actually, I'll put his Twitter link down below after we're done with this. Uh, he's doing a, a Twitter spaces tomorrow. Well, I guess he's going to be talking about some of this kind of stuff and other stuff, and he's going to do an AMA at the end of it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it. This is just this is wrapping up the whole UFO thing. We still... As part of the mysteries of metaphysics, I mean, so far we've talked about esoteric um, knowledge. We've talked about ancient civilizations. We've talked about megalithic structures. Um, We've talked about metaphysics. You know, we still have to get to philosophy, psychedelics, paranormal stuff, space, time. And uh, I think there's a few other things in there that we got to get to, but... uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying this series, and uh, we do have some guests coming up, um, uh, I believe, next, and I'll post this once I get confirmation, but I think next Wednesday uh, night we have a guest, um, which will actually pertain to this topic. It'll be Dr. Michael Masters, who we've yeah, had on the show awesome. a couple times, so he's great when it comes to this topic and the idea of time and uh 
his hypothesis or theory is that uh, UFOs and aliens are time travelers and, or um, UFOs time travel machine and uh, the uh, aliens are the time travelers. I really like that. I think we've all pondered that at some point if you're into this topic. So, um, yeah. Anything Beautiful. Else Looking you forward to that touch one. On? No, I think you've 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 done a, done it all, my friend. Well, you again, I, this this one specifically, I'm not putting uh, my mark on this episode. Really, I just wanted to put this information out there because there this is a big factor when discussing this topic. I like to focus on the other things because I don't think they get enough attention. Like, where did the first ideas of alien life and UFOs come from? Where does uh, what's the connection that people have in, in altered states of consciousness with these things, things like that. So those are like what I'm really into this one. I'm not as big into, but again, I think it's at least meant important to mention some of the more bigger cases and, uh, or large cases and, uh, um, uh, secrecy accounts. So people can look into them if that interests them. But yeah, so beautiful. Well, well, well said my friend, uh, we will we'll take it we'll take it from there next time you know what i mean yeah so uh but yeah that was awesome um again if you're interested i've been doing twitter spaces once a week um and come check it out come chat with us on twitter again if you want to short support the show too i'm not going to go through the spiel we have the link tree link down below um and if we've got a merch store, we've got a Patreon with exclusive episodes and guest episodes. We have, um, you name it. We've got the link to our documentary trailer. We're actually updating our documentary trailer. We're going to change the name of our documentary because of all the stuff, with the UAP stuff. And if we want to make merch eventually, I don't want to even have to worry about that aspect of it. Um, but we're adding like four or five people to the documentary as well. So we're going to update all that stuff soon. Um, and look forward to that, but yeah, just, uh, you know, if you want to contribute to the show, we have all sorts of links. And the most important thing to me is I love reviews. If you want to leave us a nice five-star review, we'd really appreciate that on Apple podcasts or Spotify. And again, if you don't, if you have Spotify and you don't watch us, check us out on Spotify. We have video podcasts on Spotify now. So that's about it. You good morning. You're darn right. All right. Well, we love everybody. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.